0: Today on the B2B Power Hour, I'll be talking to the one, the only, James Say What Sales Buckley. Yeah, what's happening? I feel like I need like a round of applause for all that right there. You better have like a soundboard. Like wow. Ah, There's somebody the other day that had one. And I'm like, man, that is exactly what I'm missing. Like I. <laughs> that was just an awesome I work, a
1: guy, I work with a guy his name's morgan j ingram and every webinar that we do yes. he's got the soundboard going yeah and some of the shit that he comes up with on that is so funny
0: there's a ding ding chang i think it was too the two of them when you have them uh, on Jing meetings Zing. Yeah, yeah Yeah. ding's great uh sales rapper man i love that dude yeah like whole next level but it was funny talking to him i'm like man you know, we do so many live shows. Like, I got to get some of these toys. Like, that that's some next level. That's how you make it more fun. It's a
1: dude, it's supposed to be fun. I think people forget it's supposed to be a good time. If you're not having fun prospecting and selling, no one is having fun hearing from you or buying from you. That's 100% true.
0: Isn't that the truth? And for those that don't know, James is the chief evangelist at JB Sales, the one and only. And right. Honestly, one of the biggest reasons I had to have you on the show is you're so approachable. You have a killer brand, a killer following. Thank you. And you show up the same way you show up online, which is rare. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think we all do. You know, I think that seems to be a characteristic of all of the JB sales team across the board. Uh, I work with two, one, several wonderful ladies. Uh, Megan Forgian is our COO. The person that you see on Instagram, the person that you see on some of our content, she's that person in real life. Uh, John is exactly the person that you see on all the content in real life and very grounded i remember and i tell this story occasionally but when i first started i was kind of starstruck i'd been a big fan of morgan's from the sdr chronicles for a long time uh and i've been a big fan of john's and i'm always pushing people in their direction and telling them how wonderful they've been for my growth uh and then i remember in las vegas the first time we all got together in person after i was hired John pulled me aside at the roulette table, I think, and he said, look, I appreciate the fact that you're starstruck here, and it's flattering. If you can't get over that hump, we're going to have a problem. I run a very flat organization. We are all the same here, mm. and you need to get on that bus sooner rather than later. Understand? Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, James, shake it off. Like, I got this. Like, it's going to be okay. I'm not out of my depth here. Uh <laughs> But he is that person that will make, take you aside, make you calm about what you're doing, and really center you. That person that you see online is the same person for everyone at JB Sales Leslie Douglas, Shelly Gupta Correa, Meg Hall Singer, Chris Merrill, Kelly, Kevin, Grace. We are all the same person when we talk to you in real life
0: that you're going to see online. It's not fake for us. It's amazing. And it? it's the way it should be, but. You know, it just makes you stand out that much more when people, you know, the whole reason you will get into it today, I'm sure, but, you know, trust is built online. How can you go and earn that trust when you're not who you're saying, you know, who you're putting out there? Credibility is the number
1: one thing that salespeople struggle to earn with their prospects because they don't inherently have it when they approach them.
0: You mean that when I cold call? I don't, I'm not starting with trust?
1: What? Well, it's not, that, it's not that you're not starting with trust because you are starting with it. You're starting with it in an attempt to get some, mm. to earn some, but we don't have it initially when people pick up the phone. We don't have it inherently when they read our emails. What they see is what we all fight. It's the stigma of being a sleazy salesperson that just wants my money. Mm. Yeah, you're. And this is very true for every uh, seller. Anybody that's ever bought a car has been on the lot with the money, ready to put a down payment. You're looking at the car. Sometimes you got in the car and then you get out of the car and you see the salesperson from across the lot and you lock eyes. And the first thing out of your brain is, right. I got to get the fuck out of here before this guy talks to me. <laughs> but you want to buy the car.
0: <laughs> yeah. What do they call it? That necessary evil or whatever?
1: Uh, are they necessary? I don't today, I think technology has shown us that they're actually not necessary. You go to Carvana. You can go to lots of different solutions and they'll bring you the car that you bought online, and you can return it in thirty days if you don't like it. Like the car salesperson is a thing that is the stigma. It's the sleazy, used car salesperson mentality that used to be sales and now can't
0: be sales. That's what's changed over time, especially recently. Mm, so i I'm glad that you got into this topic because, I actually wanted to talk to you of all people about how sales has evolved. And I think yeah. there's no better time frame than the last two or three years. What, what have you seen? All right. So
1: we can talk about the next two or three years, but we have to go back further to talk about change only a couple years though. Let's go back to 2015. Okay. Spray and pray was the dominant role of sales. And let me tell everybody out there what spray and pray is for those that are not familiar with this concept. Uh, This is basically when a marketer loads up a list of thousands of contacts and it doesn't really matter if they're qualified or not. We don't care. We're gonna blast out this templated message that's generic, very obviously generic, and it's gonna go to all these thousands of people. And they're going to reply to you with that email because we're sending it out in your name. Of
0: course.
1: In 2015, this was a very common practice and the job of the salesperson was to then pick through their inbox of seven to eight hundred thousand emails that they came in and saw this morning and find the ones that are interested and answer them first and then go through and set select do not contact or unsubscribe for all the people that said, hey screw off and don't send me your garbage anymore. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> That was the job of sales. Everybody else that got back with anything like, hey, I'm interested in this, or hey, let's talk about it, you would set them up with a demo. And that was what the job was in 2015. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a couple of years, 2000, let's say 18. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, people started to get a little more particular about the things that were landing in their inbox. And filters became something that was a huge focus for Google and for Microsoft. Uh, All of the email clients really doubled down on the security levels because people were really tired of the spam, the spam act, the castle laws out of Canada. Now every country has some level of protection for people that spray and pray. Mm -hmm. And this all came from two, three, four years of just abuse. And now we're entering an era. Let's go to let's go forward even further. Let's go to two Let's go to 2019, just before pandemic. What we saw was the rise of the personal brand. Reps that had strong presence and good personal brands earned the credibility from their prospects because people started to be more particular about who they gave their time to. So they would get a cold email and then they would immediately bounce over to social, usually LinkedIn, sometimes Twitter, if that was their preferred you know, and they would go, who the fuck is this person? Yeah. And should I give them my time? Yeah. And if you don't have anything that says I'm incredible, you should talk to me on your profile. You didn't get that time. In fact, you got a one word response to that email that said unsubscribe.
0: <laughs>
1: That's what you got in 2019. Now in 2020,
0: you want anybody, do you want to say anything about that? About that four year window right there that I just described? It was so spot on. Like, and the managers were pushing it too. And oh, like, yeah. you were lucky if you got an unsubscribe and that was all it was. So no, yeah, the main, I this mentality of like, oh, somebody said unsubscribe to you. Negotiation just started. Like... Yeah. It's a rebuttal. Come on, jump I... in there. We have to overcome
1: those objections. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, man, there's laws in place. That...
0: <laughs> and then they load them into the next one. Ah, yeah. it's okay. We'll try twice. Yeah. I, got a, I got a cease and
1: desist order once. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> do you wanna do wanna go ahead and touch on that really quick?
1: I mean it was it really wasn't my like I was relentless with this company. Like I was not going anywhere and it didn't matter what you responded to me, I was gonna keep coming at you. And if you said that you were gonna report me or whatever, I would just go move to somebody else. It was a huge organization, so I didn't care. You know, I was like, hey, whatever, like it's fine. Not, like I've hit you 17 times, you're the one that reached out to me, and now you're telling me that I'm annoying you. Like it's totally fine. I don't wanna connect with you anymore, just forget it. And I would move on to some other decision maker in another department for this company that was global. I mean, massive company. Mm-hmm. So Next thing I know, I'm sitting at my desk, and somebody comes into the Serious Inside office with paperwork, and then I'm looking for James Buckley. Uh-oh. <laughs> Everybody points him to my desk. he's over there, and I get this little folder, and the guy just hands me the, the folder, and he's like, "You've been served." And it basically was a gag order, like, "Hey don't you can't reach out to this company moving forward. out of the movies." <laughs> Yeah. But, and you know, everybody laughed and it was funny and everything. And I, you know, I had this mentality of like professional persistence. I went back in all my messaging. I showed my boss cause my boss was like, Hey, like, I don't want you pissing people off. Can we look at what you're sending these people to make you would have got this. And I was like, yeah, totally, man. So I ran through the mail. He was like, none of this looks aggressive or, you know, and I wrote it all. Like, it wasn't like I was, you know, master blaster out there. Like, it, you know, I was being professionally persistent in that moment. Uh, but it was too much too often is what I learned. Like it was every couple of days and you can't you can't be that consistent. You got to give people time to breathe and digest things. And, you know, I, digest is a, an ugly word in sales, but you do have to give people breathing room. And ex- the expectation that young people have today of instant gratification, instant response. Hey man, just swipe right and respond to me. My daughter will sometimes say to me, oh, you left me undelivered. And I'm like, what the what does that mean? Like... I'll answer you when I damn well feel like answering you. It's a text message. You <laughs> don't need a reply right away. <laughs> but we have this mentality like we're going to send this email and oh, sh-. it's the morning and they haven't replied yet. Dude, you know how many emails that VP gets every day? You're probably like the 50th one on the
0: list that he has to get back to from yesterday. <laughs> like, chill. <Yeah. laughs> Sometimes I wonder if that's management though. Because and... I know in previous positions they pushed us. Like you, there's no reason why you can't call somebody three times a day. No, there's, there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't call someone three times a day. I think it depends
1: on who you sell to. If you sell to a demographic that would expect you to be aggressive like that, good for you. Go for it. Adapt to your environment, right? Mm. But if you sell to the C-suite, tact, poise, stamina, professional persistence, you know subtlety like these things go a long way invites no ask right like just value drops they go so much further than what i was doing which was every two days i'm going to reach out and ask you for time Mm -hmm. right now keep in mind at this point in my career i was two years into sass so i really didn't have like a lot of experience i hadn't learned that lesson yet but i'll never forget that cease and desist order that was that was when that happened i was like all right i gotta I had to make some adjustments
0: here <laughs> I had I to reel it in. <laughs> so now we're at 2018 coming into, what's the, are we going to come into present day for the evolution? Yeah, of sales, so that or? was 2019.
1: 2019 people started to get real guarded and go to profiles and decide who they were going to give their time to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in 2020, when the pandemic hit, what we saw was people that took the time to build a brand that could represent a value online, mm. they got kept. And the people that were just coming in every day and going through the motions and not seeing results because they didn't have any care or passion behind it, yeah. they were the bottom 10%. And across the board, we all remember that most of those people got let go for performance issues. Hopefully, I think the hope is that they would come back different if they came back to the space at all. Mm. But if not, that was okay, because that type of seller was a dying breed when COVID hit. And, you know, it sounds crazy to say it, but thank God for that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've seen an improvement across the board in the care and the level of passion that salespeople have for the solutions and the services that they sell now. I think that inadvertently, 2020 impacted the sales industry in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Because we were able to eliminate a cohort of individuals that was a massive cohort of individuals that gave the rest of us a bad name, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that might have been a happy coincidence, but I do see that as a 2020 marker that I like to bring up a lot, because I think it's set the tone for what the last two years have been. Um, At this year, we've seen an even further development in people really getting into investing in themselves finding solutions to learn um, ask going to like external resources and asking questions they want to be interactive with the people that they're learning from now and isn't that what we were striving for in 2014 2015 when all that was spray and pray stuff was happening we were like man i hope people just get i wish people would just give a shit and now they do so yeah. we have
0: to embrace it as a leadership culture now I couldn't even have wished for something that great where people were seeking you out to ask you questions to get clarification and wanting to get to know you. Like, yeah. well, how much better does it get? Yeah, well, you know, and
1: I think, I think in, in one way, one of the things that I like to talk to people about is they always say to me, well, I work in an industry where people are not very active online, so it's hard to find things about people. And you go, all right, cool. That's the reason to reach out. If you're going to reach out to someone that you can't find anything on, don't you think the best approach is to say, I've been researching you specifically for 20 minutes and I can find nearly nothing. You know what that tells me? We should probably connect. Yeah. I can't tell you how many calls I've scheduled with that approach just because like they don't have a LinkedIn profile, so I can't talk to them. That's your reality. Like that doesn't make sense. What do you know about the company? What's happening there? What do you know about their colleagues? What's happening there? Mm. Bring anything up that you can tie back to why you're reaching out to this person. There's other stuff. You can do it. I promise you can do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where I'm hearing right now where I get messages every week. You know, I started in this new role. I want to be better. But we didn't get onboarded we didn't get training. They taught us about product, but I don't know who the hell I should be talking to or what I should even be doing. Or, you know, they tell me to go and invest in LinkedIn. And then they say, you know, maybe use Google and Twitter and all this stuff. And like, I am so confused and I'm ready to quit. That's another
1: thing that's changed over the last two years is people are reexamining what their onboarding and training programs look like for their new reps. Um, and the reason why this is such a focal point at this time is because for I'm going to say the last decade comfortably. Uh, The last decade, training has consisted, especially in SaaS and technology, training has consisted of, and stop me if I'm wrong, I think most of your listeners are going to hear this and go, oh my God, that's exactly how my training went. (laughs) But most of the time in the last decade, what it is, is if you're brand new, And you've never worked for this company before your training was hey sit in this room your first week sit in this room with this account executive and listen to the demos and make sure you ask a lot of questions that was the first week right so okay let's say that let's say that that's exciting even though it's not let's say that that's exciting Mm -hmm. and you learn a lot and you ask lots of questions you come out of that room you're a weekend and they go all right for the next week we're going to get you honed in on the process This is our CRM. This is our marketing automation. This is how we send invoices. This is how we do accounts receivable. This is how we get reimbursed. This is how we uh, submit expenses. And they teach you their system. At the end of that week, they're like, how do you feel? You've been, you're two weeks in. You've attended a bunch of demos and asked questions. You've gone through their process and learned their tech stack, or at least seen it. Now they hand you a laptop and a quota and they go, training's over. Good luck. Good luck on that. We hope you get the number. No sales training of any kind was actually provided through that process. Yeah. Finally, after years of this happening, people are starting to recognize the fact that if you don't start with what is sales and how do you do it well? Not right, but do it well. Mm -hmm. If you don't start there, you could show them your product until the cows come home. You can show them your tech stack, all the lovely, wonderful magic tricks that you can do with it. It won't mean jack shit to that seller because they don't know who they're selling to, why they're selling it, what matters to those people, and they have no idea how to formulate an effective presentation that matters most to their prospects. If you don't train people how to do this, you're dead in the water, and I don't care how many demos they sit in and ask questions about. <laughs>
0: yeah. And this is why I've always hated that question of, like, would somebody be willing to pay for your, your discovery calls or your cold calls? And I'm looking back at all the, like, onboarding I've had. And I was like, well, yeah, but it took me months of my own digging and, like, struggle and trial and error to get there. But was it from you guys? N- no. You're in a big... Uh... <laughs> You just described the past 10 years of my life so well.
1: It It can get messy. And the reason why I think people struggle to understand why this is such a problem is because we live in a world where we want that instant growth. We want that upward mobility. Everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to put in the work. That's Kevin Hart, right? Everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to put in the work. And you see this. This is very, very clear in SDRs because if I'm 25, 24, 26, and I just graduated from college, and I get this SDR role, and I used to be a bartender or a barback or a server, Me making two nineteen an hour, I'm like, "Holy shit! This is the greatest job I've ever had. I can't believe I get paid forty, fifty thousand dollars a year plus commission to do this. I'll do it forever." This is how they feel. This is how they feel for eight months. At the end of that eight months, you can talk to them and you say, how's it going? And they go, if I'm not an account executive, by the end of the year, I'm going to quit. And you're like, who are you? You've been here eight months. You haven't even hit quota, but once or twice. Because it takes a year just to learn the language, the product, the personas, the people you sell to, the companies that are ideal profiles. It's a year just to learn that. And that's without having to learn the other side of the coin, which
0: is now that I know how to schedule all these great meetings, what the fuck am I going to do with them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I, sometimes it even takes longer because when I was in investment banking, I still felt clueless after, well, not quite as bad, but after the first year, I was like, okay, I, I now understand who I need to talk to in kind of a general, you know, got a lay of the land. But some of those longer enterprise sales cycles, I would say that, You know, two or three years is where. So it does depend
1: on your industry and investment banking is probably a lot more detailed than a software product. Maybe some statistical outliers exist, but on the whole, I think we'll, we'll, we'll say I'm, I can say comfortably that most people buy for the 20%. You might have, you know, 10 features that your product can do. Mm -hmm. but the persons that are buying it most frequently are buying it for one or two things. And that's the problem they're solving. Mm -hmm. So like, yes, investment banking is a good example of something that you could probably go a couple of years and still kind of feel like, uh, I'm new. (laughs) (laughs) But if you sell a product that syncs emails to your CRM and also records conversations, those are the two things that you sell. So, Mm That's not that complicated. It's at least it's not as complicated as investment
0: bank. We can agree on that, right? <laughs> it's fair. So if you were if you were starting fresh now, and this is the question I get asked all the time is, yeah, okay. So you know I'm three months in. I'm four months in. I'm nowhere near hitting quota. I have no friggin' clue who to talk to. Yeah. What do I do, Nick? What like what where where what do I do? Yeah. So. My first
1: advice, if you're four months in and you haven't hit quota yet, is ease up off yourself Mm. because nobody hits quota in four months. That's not realistic. Mm. Maybe a few people are like, oh man, this guy's two months in and he already hit quota. You're going to find one in a hundred that are like that. Most people struggle to get there for the first time. And it takes time to dial in the things that work for you. You also can't always depend on someone else's technique. I thrive with my energy. That means I can tell people what to say and I can tell them how to say it, but it doesn't mean they're going to deliver it exactly how I do. My energy is my advantage. Mm -hmm. Other people have my energy. They understand we vibe, we ride that same wave. They can use my techniques very successfully. But some people are a little drier. Some people are not as boisterous, outgoing as I am. Mm -hmm. I have to change the way I teach those people. They don't respond to the energy in the same way, nor do their prospects. Their prospects buy from them because they gravitate towards their personality. Before we kick this thing off, we talked about the magnet, right? And I don't remember who said this, but somebody said this, and it stuck with me forever and ever. Might've been Seth Godin, might've been somebody else famous, I I don't know. Forgive me for not knowing, audience, right? Your energy is like a magnet, and it has two poles. On one side of those poles, people are attracted to you, and they can't help it. It's natural for them to gravitate towards your persona, your personality. And the other pole is the opposite. People are repelled by it, just like a magnet. And that's okay. We have to be all right with the fact that we are going to attract some people and repel others. But for every person that we repel, our opposite. The person that doesn't sell like us, they sell like them. Mm -hmm. That person can sell to that individual. This is where teamwork becomes very effective. That's what's changed in the last two years. We have learned that not every buyer is my buyer, but it could be someone else's buyer. We've also learned just because someone is interested does not mean they're qualified. Mm -hmm. prospecting has changed dramatically because we have been we've become much more cautious about where we put our time yeah and why we put our time there so i give this great tip out all the time and i'll give it to your audience now most people use something to manage their tasks what they don't do is match up those tasks with time blocking on their calendar i don't know how they you live without it but some people just don't have that. They haven't made that connection yet. They don't, mm. they don't see why that's valuable. So I use Asana for all my projects and tasks. Oh, and yeah. then for my pipeline follow-ups and stuff, I use Salesforce tasks. Mm. That means that I have blocks on my calendar that are literally titled Salesforce tasks, Asana tasks. Mm-hmm. And I take the time to go and knock those out. And I allocate that time in advance so that I can hit that number and make that deadline. Yeah. if we don't learn to do this our 2022 is going to look a lot like 2015, spray pray
0: yeah I, <laughs> I started actually putting in like what tier of accounts I was going after and what time block too so I knew ah. what how much, you know, what to expect of myself in that and also how much I needed to shut off because I think that's another ah. thing too like getting distracted oh you're responding to LinkedIn as you're going and you're like oh well I didn't really get as much done as I wanted. Well, I did respond to, you know, 23 different DMs and like 17, you know how it goes. I do, and you know, there's a lot of distractions
1: out there. So let me give your audience some tips for distraction. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but in Chrome specifically, I think most of us probably are living in the Chrome world. Um, If you're not using Safari, uh, and I, I don't know if you can do this in Safari, but I know that in Chrome, you can right click on any tab and you can say mute this site. And if you right-click on that tab and you mute that site, those little doot doots that come and and distract you, they don't come anymore. Here's another tip. Close everything you're not currently in. Yeah. Close everything that you're not currently working on. It's an an over-exertion of energy for your machine, first of all. Second of all, it's real easy to look through your hundreds of tabs and constantly be scrolling through them over and over, doing nothing, just looking at them. Waiting for that email to come in, though. (laughs) Uh, You know, having your email open and seeing an email come in is different. I feel like that's one tab that's usually open for me. But I will say that I will occasionally minimize my email and move to things like LinkedIn or Excel sheets or whatever else project I might be working on, like a video or something. And the reason I do that is because, let's be frank, it does not take all day to get through your inbox in 2022. Yeah. Some people some people. in 2015, we could have came in and we'd have been like, yo, this is going to be the next three days. My inbox is at like 800, <laughs> right? Like it's going to be three days of picking through this shit. Like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Page after page of unread messages, you know? And then they're like, oh, another email went out. Bam. And you're like, oh shit, I haven't even gotten through the 400 deep. Like you can't just blast out another 10,000 in my name. Like help me, man. I can't keep up with it all. That was 2015. Today, you're lucky if you come into work And you have 50, 60 emails, especially as a frontline rep, Mm -hmm. right? You're lucky if that's your number. Now, if you're a decision maker, if you live above the power line, I promise you have thousands of emails, I promise every day because every seller under the sun is running reports and reaching out to you. That's why you wait six months before you change your title on LinkedIn. Because if you don't, the second you change that title every single seller that sells to your new title puts you in their drip campaign Mm -hmm. and you get frustrated and you can't get anything done and it's distracting. So just take, take a step back from that distraction, find the things that you can silence in your life. I my my, one of my favorite features that iPhone released was the do not disturb. Uh, man i'm addicted i will hit that thing every day all day i will hit it because if i don't my phone just ding 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 if it's not my wife it's the kids if it's not the kids it's people with questions it's not people with questions it's you know other people from outside my family like i'm like man i can't i like i have to f- zero in on my goal here mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's endless i had to take linkedin notifications off my phone and everything too because it was I shut all my
1: notifications
0: off my phone. Yeah. No notifications hit my
1: phone except Slack when I am mentioned and direct messaged. And I have the badges for my email and my text messages. All of my social notifications, I don't, I don't know unless I open the app.
0: Yeah, that's a way better way of Dude, staying productive. Dude, saves me.
1: And you know what, man? Sometimes I don't fucking care. I put my phone on the charger and I go outside
0: i think i don't care if you call me you call me i'll call you when i get back but i think that i think that's that evolution though where you go from being reactive and like almost like that desperation when you're not quite sure to making that next level step as that like trusted advisor that solution provider where you know neediness doesn't work in your favor it's, it's okay to take time it's okay to have the hard conversations people will wait 10 minutes You know, they waited two days to get back to your email because they were busy. Like (laughs) you don't need to respond to it like instantly this second. Well, so
1: that's true. um, But I'll also add there is a cancer in our space and that is that salespeople are at the mercy of their prospects. Think about it this way. If I have been reaching out to you for three months and I finally get through and we have a great conversation, and then you have some demands, quite literally demands, like Mm -hmm. I can't move forward unless, and then you list the things. Mm -hmm. I do feel that pressure to get those things done. I do feel that pressure to go up and say, can we make this happen so I can pull this deal over the finish line? Mm -hmm. That's pressure that I feel because I'm held accountable for the quota. The other side of that coin is that salespeople are often victims of the customer is always right mentality. I'm here to tell you, sellers out there and customers, they're not always right. In a lot of ways, they're usually wrong because they make assumptions and because they believe that they have the upper hand because they're giving you money and because they think that they're going to send you a low ball offer for your value and you're going to take it because you have to hit the quota.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Never be afraid to walk away from somebody that's become unfair with you.
0: Yeah, save your sanity. That is a
1: power move for every seller out there that's listening to this now. It's, there's nothing wrong with saying, I believe this conversation has turned a corner. I'll have to back away now. Makes there's sense. nothing wrong with that. You're okay saying it. Your leadership will support it. And what you don't want to do is accept that lowball offer because what you've said there is, I knew this wasn't worth what I originally quoted you for.
0: Mm, yeah
1: you're now you're sinking the ship you are sinking the whole ship not just your ship the whole ship Mm -hmm. you might as well have just shot a cannon through the bottom of that son of a bitch (laughs) because (laughs) you're essentially admitting that you knew this was worth less than what you originally charged them
0: and i honestly think this comes from and you know in the last little eh, pretty quick here i'd like to get a little more tactical but I think this comes from people not doing their research, not knowing where the value really is in the account. And because they don't see the value or they've never used it themselves and never stepped in their shoes and like done, you know, done their job, they don't see the impact. And so they assume.
1: I'm going to defend, I'm going to defend salespeople and I'm going to disagree with you on your own show. (laughs) Okay. And I'm going to tell you that this is a customer problem. When, when customers assume that they can come at you with 50% less than what you charge. Yeah, that's. Assuming that you are going to come up to 75% and then they're going to go down to 60% and then you're going to come down to 70. Why do this dance? Don't do this dance. Mm. You can be flexible, but you don't discount. You can add value, but you can't. Take cost away. What you've done there is set yourself up for failure. And you've made it so that you have to work usually twice as hard to get to your number. Everybody thinks they want all the customers. This is a misnomer. You need the right customers. And the right customers know your value. And they offer you real values, real numbers that line up with what your products and services can do for them. And they don't come at you with those lowball offers hoping to play this game that is hopefully going away. I want to see that bullshit negotiation go away because it's frustrating for every party involved.
0: I think it was Snowflake that they did this. Instead of just doing a win-loss analysis, they did, or maybe you even told me this, or it was one of your posts. But it was they looked at what was the biggest deal, five biggest deals, five fastest deals, and then the five biggest deals they lost. And that's how they built yeah. their business. And a lot of that's not done enough because it is Pareto's law. I actually, whoever told me this, I took went back and I looked back the past couple of years and it was was within like 10% every single year who paid the bills. And if I would have just focused more on those customers, the level of service I could have provided, the sanity I could have saved, burnout, all the extra energy and everything else. Oh,
1: What's, what's more value for your pipeline is think about the number of referrals they would have given you.
0: Yeah. Cause they, they actually saw the value. I didn't have to go in. There was no pushing. They were part of the process. It was collaborative. It was, Warm it was
1: from people that are like them because birds of a feather, right? Like yeah. it, when you, when you boil it down, I think that in most instances, we're going to see prospecting and sales best practices change every six months to every year. Mm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And the reason it's a good thing is because we need all those skills. We need all those changes because we have to develop like Batman. We have to have like a belt around us that has all these techniques, tactics, and skill sets because every seller is different. And every channel that we reach out to has the potential to be successful for that particular buyer. And we won't know unless we know how to use it. We won't know if that technique is effective for this persona or this title or this particular industry unless we A, B test and try it. We are becoming mad scientists as prospectors. We are becoming people that look at data and decide where can I double down that's going to get results for sure. If you can develop this mentality this year in 2022, I guarantee your 2023 to be your most successful year. But know this. It takes a long time to get this way, Mm -hmm. to develop this skill, to to develop this behavioral routine. So start now. Allocate the time and do it every day so that you know going into the year next year, going into the month next month. Hey, you know what I learned? I learned this. You know what I'm going to change? I change this. Is it going to get results? I don't know. We'll reevaluate again. This is the scientific approach that we have to have in the modern selling and buying
0: world. Mm. Amen. Yeah, it's you know we're one of the only, we're one of the only professions that you know is so multidisciplined, and yet we only ever look at like one facet of it. So it's nice. Oh, I just I really appreciate how you build up the profession. I really do because it is a profession, even though it's not taught in schools per se. And like, they don't have like, you can't get a, you know, an MBA focusing on sales. Although I've heard that it's coming.
1: That's changing too. UT Dallas, uh, Dr. Dover, Dr. Dover and UT Dallas has it. Um, Caitlin, Caitlin Gill at the University of Oregon, OSU, uh, Oregon State University, I'm sorry. Uh, Caitlin Gill, they have a sales program. We're working with those people like, dude, it's coming. But it's taking people like us, people like Keenan, people like Beck Holland, people like Galen Jemai, people like Morgan, people mm-hmm. like Meg Holtzinger. We are making it so that it is a respected posi- position, something that people can aspire to be. That's what it's supposed to be. It's what it was always supposed to be. It's it's not because, it's not because we have giant personalities. Yes, that helps, but it's because it's the highest and the lowest paid profession in the world. Yes, yes. It's because it's because you deserve to be a great seller if that's your chosen profession. And it's because most of the time, and not all the time, there are exceptions, but most of the time this, the resources that are provided from these sellers' companies are not sufficient. They are out of date. They are most likely self-serving In a lot of ways, they're disconnected from what really works and what's proven to work. They don't incorporate social selling, which is like an enormous crux in sales today. They don't incorporate personal branding, which means they don't invest in their sellers. On the whole, we see leaders come to us for several reasons. One, I want to show my people that I'm invested in them. Hmm. Good for you, but why? If you don't know why... What difference? Are you just checking a box? Don't do this. Yeah. Right. Two, I have a budget and if I don't spend it, I lose it.
0: And yeah, let's do this. You know, hey, James, can you go and get us like a two or three day like sales kickoff and just jam pack all this information? We'll take really good notes. And at the end of it, nobody will be able to apply anything because there was just too much and too short of a time.
1: Yeah, and then we're going to go online and give you a one-star review and say that this training sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, we're, but our management isn't going to show up to the training. They don't have time for that.
0: Yeah, my, my favorite.
1: It's Dude, people laugh about it, and I'm sure that your listeners, when they hear that, they're, they're probably laughing. But like honestly, this is the most normal thing in the world that we see. Leaders will come to us and they'll say, I really want prospecting training, or I really want closing training, or I really want customer success training, or I really want my people to learn how to build their brand. And then they go, all right, we're going to do it. And we go, okay, here we go. We're going to do it. And they're like, I can't make it, <laughs> but they'll all be there.
0: Yeah. So how are you going to How are you to with-
1: help them implement all of this? Yes. If you don't show.
0: That's exactly you know? it.
1: It's a, it's a sad thing, but it happens more often than you think. Uh, The other thing that's crazy is this amount of pressure that sales leaders put on their reps to hit numbers. Uh, I would rather my reps make 50 calls in a day and schedule 10 meetings with great discovery that have a high likelihood of closing than make 150 calls a day, schedule two meetings by chance that have no chance of even showing with almost no discovery. That equation doesn't compute to me. And leaders out there that are telling their reps to dial 150, 200 dials a day, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. If you can't hear me on that,
0: you have a problem. And that problem is you're doing a lot of work for a little result. This is how you almost kill your sales team. This is how retention (laughs) drops like crazy and you're wondering why you can't attract good talent. They talk. They do.
1: They talk on on profiles, they talk on platforms, they tell the world, they go on Glassdoor and they trash your company. Um, It's a very complicated thing. And let me be frank, Greg, I don't wanna trash the leadership out there. There are great leaders out there, great leaders out there. But there are many more leaders that need to learn from these great leaders and understand why they do what they do and how they keep people with them for five, 10, 15 years. Retention is everything. Keeping your salespeople in their seats, learning, developing, growing seems contradictory because you're literally grooming them to one day not work for you. Mhm. They might work with you though. And isn't that what you want? I would prefer they work with me
0: instead of for me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm the weird one. I don't know. Trash me if you want. I don't care less. <laughs> we're, uh, we're coming up on time and I just want to go and ask one of my favorite questions to you. Mm-hmm. You have an hour. Every second counts. What are you doing in that power hour to get the biggest impact you possibly can? Mm. Uh,
1: So right now my focus is getting new people that we've never talked to to come to our events. That's my focus. Mm. So in that power hour, I am going on LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I am creating a list with at least eight filters that really zero in on people that would like to come to these events. Usually these are two personas, frontline reps themselves and their teams, or their sales leaders to invite the whole team all at once. Uh, And I would use a product like Zoom Info or Lead IQ. Uh, There's a couple of them out there that do this Mm -hmm. to create that list of people and get their contact information. And then I would use sales loft to actually send out an invite to our events. And I would follow up with saying either, are you attending? Or what did you think about the event if they did attend? Um, and I, I would do that pretty consistently. That's That's what I do with my hours now. So
0: <laughs> there you go. How long would you, <laughs> as you're getting into that process, how soon would you start doing that? Thirty days out, sixty days out. Uh, many-
1: sometimes it's as little as three days. I don't. So we do. We're doing a hundred events this year at JB Sales. I'm hosting oh, most of them, if not all of them. Um, <laughs> over a hundred, and uh, sometimes we're doing two events a week, and I only have a day or two to get to get the the invites out. So this is why list management becomes super important because mm. I have to go and make sure that my bounce rate is low. I'm protecting my domain. Um, I have to go in and make sure that i'm not reaching out to dead email addresses in that list. I have to keep that list accurate and verified. Mm. I have to pull information that's accurate and make sure that I can verify that it's accurate in some way uh lead i q and Zoom info both do a great job of this um and then my focus is on new people, so I need to know am I reaching out to people that already know who we are if I am I'm wasting my time
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it does take effort and time that's why the real the that's why the expectation of leadership is often so disconnected from the reality. You know, hey, can you work this list for me? Sure. There's like 50,000 people on that list. And you're like, all right, I'm going to work this list. Two days later, they're like, aren't you through that list yet? <laughs> Sorry, what? Uh, Did you want me to load all of these 50,000 people into Upspot and send the same message to all of them? Because I could do that, but you don't
0: need me for that. Yeah. You can go do that with your marketing team. And you're going to burn our domain in the process. And where are we going to well, be? Well, I'm just saying, like, that's the expectation. Hey, are you done with that list? What's taking you so long? It's 50,000 fucking people on this list, man. Like, what? Dude, I'm not magic. Like... <laughs> yeah, you told me to work the list, not just blast something out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you'd be done with it by now. Well, you thought wrong, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're bringing up some memories from the past 10 years that it's like. Dude, I know, right? Like, same. <laughs> You're not done yet? So, what? When, what uh, I'll talk to you later. I'm busy. Yeah. God.
1: Well, I'm fortunate, though. I think we have a good culture here where, uh, we, again, we run a very flat organization. We are all the same. Uh, no one should be looking over your shoulder. If you have a helicopter parent boss, find a new job. Because that person will never not be a helicopter parent boss. They will always be over your shoulder. Nothing you ever do will measure up. You will constantly be getting berated. Your one-on-ones won't be positive. And you're going to build up a lot of resentment and hatred for the role you loved.
0: And that'll (laughs) go with you. So don't, don't, and you'll take it home. Don't, don't do that to everyone around you. Yeah. Uh, at this point in the show, I love to go and turn the mic to you. Would you like to ask me one question? Yeah, what got you started in podcasting? It's a great question. Honestly, originally, it's I had been toying with it for a long time because I thought it would be fun, and so originally that was kind of the my you know dip the toes in. But as people talk about that, like pod fade in the first eight shows, and then they it drops because people realize it's hard. I actually think it accelerated everything. Cause I'm like, oh my god, I have access to all these great people to have the conversations I never got to have, and yeah. like, and I get to do that for our audience to go and be part of their education and raise, right. you know, raise the profession in the process. Like, that to me is an amazing reason to you know do these shows and keep going. I believe that podcasts
1: give people a platform to be able to learn and be genuinely curious about the industries that they love. Hmm. Uh, The reason that make it happen Mondays is one of the most highly sought after podcasts in the sales space. We average about 4,000 downloads a week right now. Holy shit. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's one of the top five most downloaded sales podcasts in the world. And I think the reason is because John really does have a genuine curiosity with the people that he has on the show. When he talks to them, he does his research, he learns about them, he asks questions about their past, he leads them through this hero's journey, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you know anything about storytelling, you know the hero's journey, the epic of Gilgamesh, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I, I honestly think that podcasting is a doorway to growth if you lean into it and you learn to do it well. The problem, I think, with podcasting is that so many people pick it up and they don't make it for too long. Um, To your point, the eight eight show fade, right? Uh, Morgan often says, Morgan J. Ingram, one of my closest friends, uh, a very smart man, and what he'll say is 10 is the mark. If you do something for 10 weeks in a row and you can be consistent with it, you're usually over the hump and you can kind of dial it in and get good at it but if you can't make it to 10 oftentimes it'll just fade away and it will come back
0: isn't that the truth so many people try to go and sculpt before they've actually built up enough to go and scrape away i don't know anything about sculpting but i guess that makes sense
1: <laughs> i like woodworking so yeah. I, always, I always i'm think more of like... i'm more of a uh, i'm made of donuts i'm not sculpted out of rock you know what i'm saying <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs>
0: I do like my donuts, too, so I, I, I can't yeah, disagree. Yeah. Uh, it's my crutch. <laughs> just in case somebody hasn't heard of you, I, and, it, you know, is it on LinkedIn and, like, checking out Sales and... No,
1: so don't go on LinkedIn. I'm rapidly approaching the 30,000 mark, and I need to clean out my network of people that ignored me. So don't do this because... I mean, I guess if you want to, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I will connect with you there, but I will remove 10 other people as a result. So... <laughs> Uh, so, so follow me on Instagram. I am at say what sales, all one word. Uh, you follow me on Twitter the same way at say what sales. And if you need training and resources, learn from us, join us, become one of us, join us on the dark side at joinjbsales.com. That is where you can get access to all our training courses, tips, techniques, resources. We have it all right there for you. It's $365 a year it's a dollar a day invest in yourself guys it's worth it you deserve to be successful
0: thank you so much thank you so much for being that honest voice of sales going through this all with me today we're definitely going to have to have you back for another big topic and anytime thanks guys thank you for listening this was james say what sales buckley make sure you connect with him and he's a great resource guys ask him questions And James, thank you. I really appreciate this. Anytime, my friend. Thank you for having me. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.